vulnerability is just being absolutely true to who you are and what you're you're feeling in that moment. And it doesn't mean that you have to be talking about it a ton. It doesn't mean that you have to get stuck in it, anything like that. Look into his eyes. They're the eyes of a man obsessed by success. Eyes that mock our sacred institutions. Bedroom eyes, they call them in a bygone day. Sex desire is the most powerful of human desires. When driven by this desire, men develop keenness of imagination, courage, willpower, persistence, and creative ability unknown to them at other times. So strong and impelling is this desire for sexual contact that men freely run the risk of life and reputation to indulge in. When harnessed and redirected along other lines, this motivating force maintains all of its attributes of keenness of imagination, courage, etc., which may be used as powerful creative forces in literature, art, or in any other profession or calling, including, of course, the accumulation of riches. Napoleon Hill. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec. I am super glad you're here with us today because I am here with my most amazing guest, Leanne. Leanne, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. So I met Leanne years ago. Now, I don't even know how many it might have been, but we hit it off because she is fantastic, awesome, and amazing. You are going to absolutely fall in love with her. So give us the 5,000-foot view, who you are and what you do. <laughs> who I am, what I do. I am all about intimacy. Um, and when I say that, people often immediately think of sexual intimacy. And of course, some of what I do is about sexual intimacy, but overall, I'm about intimacy, period. Um, there are so many ways that we form intimacy with each other, mentally, emotionally, physically, sexually, experientially, spiritually. And I think that um, it is so important um, that we become our own authority on intimacy in our lives so that we can create the kind of relationships in our home and in our business that we can build a strong, amazing life foundation on and therefore live and love more fully. Nice. I love that. So now I am a huge advocate and I don't know if you agree with me and by all means, you do not need to agree with me whatsoever. So feel free to disagree. Um, but I remember in the eighties, we used to refer to the blue suits as stuffed shirts because they were like the, the straw man in a suit. You got all business, no personality. And it's like, oh, just kill me now. Like, how is this not a soul sucking environment to be in? I'm hoping that that is kind of a dead way of doing business. Um, but talk to me about your opinion about bringing intimacy into even business relationships. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've had a lot of people over the years are like, oh, like you definitely wouldn't be doing any corporate work. And I'm like, no, that's <laughs> couldn't be furthest from the truth. Although I really think that the people um, in corporations that are thinking about making intimacy and strong connections in their business a focus are still ahead of the curve. Um, quite frankly, I think a lot of businesses um, talk relationships, but is it really being supported in the corporate structure? I, I, I'm not seeing it. Um, you know, really to have that intimacy, 
Um, you need to be talking to individuals about their values, helping them create their work around their values, creating their relationships inside and outside of the office based on their values. You want to teach them nonviolent communication, um, self-responsibility, um, how to be vulnerable. And I think, you know, there are some leaders that have really taken the reins and they are leading with vulnerability and authenticity. Um, but I think there's still a lot of stuff that we have in our society that says that vulnerability makes us weak or that we're going to be seen as weak. And um, when in fact, true vulnerability is an incredible strength and it completely magnetizes people to you. And there's definitely a difference between being a victim and being vulnerable. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Talk to us about that because that's that's huge. <laughs> Or a lot of people will think, oh, if I'm being vulnerable, then like I'm just dropping my pants and showing my dirty laundry. And like, oh, dude, that's not vulnerability either. So yeah, no yeah. vulnerability is just being absolutely true to who you are and what you're you're feeling in that moment. And it doesn't mean that you have to be talking about it a ton. It doesn't mean that you have to get stuck in it, anything like that. Um, so often we're like, well, if we show certain emotions. Yeah, like it's going to sort of suck us into this hole. And really, when you learn how to work with your emotions in a healthy way, you're going to feel them and move through them very quickly. And so it's like, you know what, right now, this conversation isn't feeling great for me. How can we switch this up? That's vulnerable. You know, um, you know, I'm hearing you say something right now. And I'm also, you know, seeing that your actions, you know, are seeing another thing. You know, what's going on for you that, um, you know, that that's creating this sort of misalignment. That's a question that opens up vulnerability in another person, right? Like, how can we really get, it's really just being in your truth and being open to being who you are and feeling how you feel in that moment. Um, whereas, you know, this sort of other thing is when we really just get stuck and we live there. So, you know, it's like every time you talk to someone, you know, their, their life is really terrible and, you know, this is really happening. And sometimes people really do have long, difficult periods of time in their life and that's fair and that's fine. And then sometimes we're sort of living in a story um, that begins to recreate itself off like again and again, or sometimes people are stuck in a depression where they really are stuck in that, that place and they really need some help out of it. And when you have a workplace, that is actually one of the perks too, is when you have a workplace that's open in that way, you're going to see that as well because people are going to be able to express their emotions. And then if you do have staff that is depressed, I mean, come on, like with all this COVID stuff, I mean, we have more mental health issues and depression than we've ever had it's important for corporations and businesses to know if their employees are well or not. And if they don't have the ability to be vulnerable without being shamed or shut up or, you know, um, made to feel bad, then those problems are going to get worse. And I'm telling you, it's going to affect their work massively and your bottom line. So, I mean, having that sort of ability to allow your staff to be really vulnerable is really important. And then you can always make sure that you have the wellness plans in place to make sure that they have 
that help if they are kind of stuck in a place where now it's not just them kind of being vulnerable about, you know, having some feelings, but they really do seem stuck in a really um, challenging spot. Oh, absolutely. I won't be talking more about the kind of the cyclical issues of things, but I think also there's kind of a pendulum swing that people get into where they think, oh, if I'm vulnerable, I'm going to go all the way to the other side and I'm going to become politically incorrect and all hell's going to break loose. I can't do that. So I got to swing back the pendulum back to safety. And at least I know what to expect when I don't say shit to anybody. That and the overshare. And let me tell you when I, you know, because I was very much raised to just very much be quiet, not share my feelings. It really wasn't allowed. And so, you know, the pendulum always swings when we learn new things. And so I remember when I started being vulnerable and truthful about how I was, and it was like, I just start listening to myself and I'm like, oh my gosh, like what is going on? Like I could just, it was like, oh, I've given this person way too much information. Now this person, like, and it just like was so horrific because I could like see myself doing it, but not until I was already in it. And so I really had to work on that skill. And it was like, how can I be vulnerable and just tell people where I'm at without oversharing or overly moving into something? And that's where we just learn assertiveness. You know, we just learn to be, um, you know, like even, even in our everyday things, right? Like somebody might be like, hey, would you like to do something on Sunday? And maybe they're kind of really pushy. And so you might feel like you have to go, oh, I have these plans and these plans and these plans. And really the more information you give that person, the more ways they can try and talk manipulate you. <laughs> their, their, their wants and needs, right? Mm-hmm. And so you can just be, you know, in your authenticity and in your vulnerability. And maybe you really would like to make some time for them, but it is not that day. And to say, you know what, I would really love to be able to spend some time with you, but I have plans that day and I'm fully committed, you know? And then they're like, oh, well, what do you mean? Like, what are you doing? And it's just like, I'm fully committed. (laughs) Doing things that I have planned. What other day would you like to meet? Exactly. And turning that conversation. And it brings up a good point because I do think that when you're looking at corporate culture, yeah, um, and and not necessarily like Coca-Cola corporate culture, but like a privately owned by an entrepreneur corporate culture, that eventually the corporation kind of gets out of hand, if you will, because now you got HR hiring people for you and you got this. And and if you haven't made culture a key point in your company since the get-go, then all of a sudden you have this stuffed shirt place because everybody's afraid to make a mistake and everybody's looking at the owner going, oh, well, if they're not being vulnerable, we're not being vulnerable and we're not hiring people who are vulnerable and this is not happening. And so business. Well, yeah, it's brutal because you're, you're not going to get anywhere near the efficiency. You're not going to get anywhere near the communication. You're not going to get anywhere near the feedback that you need to. You're not going to get any creativity. Like it is so impactful to your business. It's painful. Yeah. Um, and I think it's so important that the first step is for the entrepreneur themselves to go and find somebody that they can train from and go and learn how to have vulnerable conversations in the safety of a 10 by 10 room with a trainer or a therapist or whoever it is, but to, to learn how to have those going, is this acceptable? Is this not acceptable? And not having them freak out and going, oh my God, I can't believe you just said that to me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it starts at the top. Oh. And if you are displaying those qualities and you are leading in that way, 
And I am not by any means telling leaders that it is an easy task to lead with authenticity and vulnerability because we're really not taught to. Um, but it is so worth your time because when you are modeling it, it creates a culture below you immediately. Anybody that's not comfortable with it is not going to want to work for your organization. Um, they're just not going to feel aligned with you. Um, even in your other business dealings with other companies, it's going to come to that too. It's going to immediately really filter who's in alignment with that type of business with you and who's not employee wise, other businesses wise. And it's going to ensure that you have a workplace that is open, connected and creative. And, you know, it's just like when you said, if people don't feel like they can say, I think you're wrong or, you know what, I understand you're the head of the company, but I really I feel like there's a better way to look at this or, you know, I feel like you're kind of shooting down my ideas because maybe you are like, maybe you're just not having an on day and you're kind of, you know, like this is the thing. And this is exactly goes back to what you were saying, why these leaders do need to go through that kind of training and coaching and working and work, sorry, because when they do that, they're going to be able to have an awareness around what they're saying that is opening conversations, what they're saying that's closing down conversations, um, when they are being vulnerable and yet in a assertive way, when they're like kind of going into the over shot area where everyone's gonna, gonna start turning off. Um, it's really, really important. And when you have those tools and skills, it immediately almost starts to, it changes all of your relationships. Like even if the other person doesn't have that training, um, like what I've noticed is um, a lot of business leaders, when they come and work with me, um, they might be working with me on home stuff or work stuff, but it ends up affecting both because all of a sudden they're approaching conversations and relationships differently. And when we shift, the other person has to shift in relation to us. It's very hard for that not to happen. And if all of a sudden you're more, authentic, more in your heart, more able to coax out real communication, it, it just immediately improves most of your relationships, except for a few of the relationships, which, you know, I just call it the filtering system where people really don't want to have health, healthy relationships. And uh, some people are like, oh, that's horrible. Cause they want to hold on to everything. And I'm like, no, just let those filter out those relationships are going to be the ones that cost you personally and your business the most time and the most effort, and you will never please them. Mm -hmm. And those are probably the, the relationships right now that are causing the most amount of problems, but you don't know how to deal with them in order to be able to get rid of them and kind of sever the ties. I noticed myself personally, when I got this, my biggest thing about it was getting rid of my triggers first, because mm -hmm. if somebody said to you, oh my God, your hair is red and I lose my shit, it's like, I don't know if it's a compliment. I don't know if it's an insult. I don't know if it's an observation. I don't know if they're going like the lights hitting your head. Like I have no freaking clue where that's coming from if I'm getting triggered by that shit. And I am never going to be allowed to give somebody else the permission to be able to say things, anything in yeah. front of me if I'm spazzing out over stupid shit, yeah. even if it's logical shit. But for the most part, that is a conversation that I hear people having is all they're doing is making an observation. And all of a sudden it's like, well, where the hell did that come from? Yeah. The sun? <laughs> what? I don't get it. 
I mean, you know, what you're saying, um, I'll just to reframe it is we're not ever going to get rid of our triggers. We're always going to have something in our life because we're always growing, developing and evolving. That's going to trigger some emotional reaction in us. And we get triggered all the time. It could be that you're triggered to be happy. It could be triggered to be sad. Triggers in general aren't actually bad things. Um, we have a lot of this conversation around triggers like it is a really bad thing. But what it is, is that we don't know how to handle our negative triggers. So the triggers that put us into anger, nervousness, um, confusion, things like that. And part of becoming kind of this new leader in intimacy is number one, if you're in confusion, learning to say, I don't know. And I need some time to think about this, or let's like come up with a way to come up with some options or, you know, confusion to me is always the doorway to a new understanding. It's like the place between I knew this and now I've realized there's something about this. I don't know. And, and there's something really amazing opening up. So confusion is a beautiful doorway. And I think when we can be vulnerable about being confused and being honest about it and taking action around it, it can be a beautiful trigger. Um, anger, you know, emotions are a compass. If something is making you mad, um, it's always best to just know how to deal with that. So first having the awareness before we open up our mouths. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, it was so it's so interesting. I read this article today and I I I they were they had a, a mantra that they learned from someone else called wait and it's why am I talking? And so when you're mad, I think this is the perfect acronym wait. Just wait. I speak very quickly. I had to learn this one. It's very hard for me to learn, but you just need to take a breath and pause. And just really allow yourself to settle out of your, your cortisol reaction because we don't do any good thinking when we're um, in that um, condition. It's like all the parts of your brain that you don't want to be using. So we just want to take some nice deep breaths, turn on our parasympathetic <laughs> system. Oh my God, talking today has been difficult. Sorry, everyone. It's COVID. No. Um, <laughs> So we want to turn on that beautiful, relaxed part of our nervous system by just taking some deep breaths or doing something else that works. And that's something I teach is it's called emotional release. And it's just really how to move from one emotional state to another as quickly and easily as possible. And you may even need to excuse yourself. It may be that you even feel rude doing it, saying, you know what, <laughs> I'm I'm just really feeling triggered right now. And I just need to take a minute. Could we come back to this conversation in five minutes? If that's what you need to do, do it. It's like, wait, like ask yourself if you're going to say something, why are you saying it? Does it need to be said? Is it important? Is it coming from that trigger? Usually what you're going to say is not going to be productive uh, for a relationship or yourself. So it's good just to wait. And then when you're in a calm state, really think about like, what made me upset about that? right? Like with your red hair, is it like, you know, perhaps like growing up, you got made fun of a lot for having red hair. Like people told you it wasn't the greatest thing. And so you have like sort of a preset, um, set of belief systems in your subconscious mind. That's telling you it's probably not a good thing when the next thing out of that person's mouth might be like, Oh my God, I love it. Right. We've already made that choice. 
And so we need to really settle into that relaxed state and really logically think about it because a lot of our triggers just say a lot about us. They're not actually saying much about the other person most of the time, right? Like the confusion is just, you're learning something new. You know, the anger is that there's something in your subconscious mind that says that you should be angry about it. And if there is something going on that you need to be angry about it, that's your compass. And so then you can do something, maybe something happened in your workplace that was like really not cool. And you need to put in a new policy to now deal with it. But you need to make that decision from a calm centered place where you know that you're acting from that rational, critical thinking place, not from the anger. So feel the anger, notice it, ask the anger, what is it trying to tell you? And then move from there. And it's the same with sadness, all of those different kinds of triggers. It's like just going back into ourselves, asking, what is this trying to show me about myself or about the situation or about this other person? And then from a calm, rational place, and this is why I say meditation is so important because it helps us with this regulation. It helps us become more critically, like help us, it helps us think more critically, more easily um, because we're in a more rational, calm state. Um, and then make choices from there and do take action, but take action after you know what it is that's going on and what's going to be the best course of action. Nice. I love that. Love all of it. Cool. Um, so give us an example of a Cinderella story of yours. Yeah. Somebody that's worked with you that's Cinderella story. Um, well, I mean, teaching uh, intimacy. I mean, that's a pretty good Cinderella story. <laughs> I mean, so people are like, oh my God, you're so outgoing and it seems so easy for you and you connect with people and look at you do stages and you do this and you do that and, and you can cry in front of people and, you know, when I'm teaching sexual intimacy, I can, you know, um, do that in front of people. Like I can really model um, sexual, sensual energy and things like that really easily. And it's so interesting because people are like, I could never do that. A lot of people like, I don't think I'll be able to get there. And I'm like, man, if you went back to my younger self and told her what I would be doing now, she would think you were nuts. Um, you know, I was the kid that hid behind furniture. Um, I was terrified of people. I had a very abusive upbringing. Um, I called myself shy. Um, I thought I was very shy. Um, I'm still reserved in some ways. People think I'm just like, I just say everything, but I don't, I do have my own private life still. Um, yeah, I was just, I was a mess. I mean, I came from a house where communication was based on sarcasm, um, basically making fun of each other, um, in really harsh ways, gossip, you name it. It was all there and, um, vulnerability wasn't acceptable. The truth wasn't acceptable. Um, none of that was okay. And I remember I was like 11 years old and I remember watching like kids at school talking to each other and talking to teachers and talking to other people. And I remember thinking like, wow, they're so brave that they can go do that. Like I must just not be brave enough. And that's kind of how I got started. I was like, I just have to be brave like everybody else. Cause I was so sure like we all are that everyone thinks the same way as we do. <laughs> <laughs> what? They don't? 
Not everything you thought exactly. <laughs> and so that was like my little 11 year old brain, right? It was like, wow, I just have to be brave. And you know, it just started there. And I just started taking more and more of an interest in human connection and how people connect and how it works. And how do people feel when connection happens this way? And how do they feel when it happens that way? And, and you know, went kind of the totally other side where I became overly um, empathetic people pleaser. Because <laughs> it was all about how I could please others. Mm-hmm. Um, and then started getting my own self-value and boundaries um, sorted out and started doing that kind of work. And then started to be able to come into relationships from a much healthier place where I could use all that compassion and empathy that I had and also not take responsibility for everybody else's triggers. Unless, of course, I was doing something that was out of alignment, in which case then I'm like, okay, how can I do this differently next time? Because we all make mistakes. We all trip up. We all do stupid things. We all have moments. But um, yeah, I'd say that's the Cinderella story. Like really, I went from a like least likely person to ever be doing the work that I'm doing to being comfortable. I mean, I've, I sang on stage this last year. Hey, hey. I started doing comedy shows. Nice. Um, yeah, like, so it's totally 100% doable in your home and in your workplace, on stage. Um, there are so many ways that we can improve and create intimacy for ourselves and others. Nice. I love it. So which question should I ask you first? What somebody, uh, what would somebody be th- at home thinking going, Oh my God, Leanne, I totally need to work with you. Or who is your ideal slash favorite client to work with? Who gets the, oh my gosh. um, my ideal clients are like the visionaries, the rebels, the light workers, like, I love you, the creatives. Um, yeah, the people that want to step out of their boxes and then out of those boxes and out of those boxes. And they know that there's another box they can step out of. They know that there's more freedom that they can have in their life, emotionally, mentally, sexually, business-wise, money-wise, there is limitless freedom available to us. And I really want the leaders and the visionaries that are ready to step into that. And those are the clients that I have and I love them and I adore them. And I often say that I feel like the most blessed human being to be able to work with the people that I do because they run amazing businesses and they are amazing people. And now if you're listening to this and you think I'm not that amazing, you're you're hiding from yourself we know how amazing you are (laughs) I will think you're that amazing because that is one of the gifts that I bring to my work is that I always see um I see that next level of a person that they often can't see even for themselves absolutely absolutely I would totally concur that she has an amazing ability to be able to just bring out the best in everybody that come that comes across I mean I see it in conversations with like we'll be sitting there talking, somebody else will walk in, go, hey, and we just bring them in the conversation. And all of a sudden they just light up and it's like they see things in themselves that they couldn't see otherwise. It's awesome. That's Thanks. what I want. Light up the world, right? We need this. <laughs> awesome. So if somebody's sitting at home going, oh my God, Leanne, I totally need you. How do they get a hold of you? So um, they can go ahead and send me um, an email if they'd like at 
um, support at leanne.love. Um, yeah, people are always like wanting to add a .com or a .ca. It's not, it's literally .love. So it's support at lee-ann.love. And, uh, or they can go ahead and look up my Facebook profile, Leanne Francis Bates, LinkedIn, Instagram. I'm kind of on it all. Not Snapchat though. Sorry, folks. And, um, you know, just contact me, reach out. It's one of the things I teach, reach out for what you want. If I resonate with you and you're still not sure though, if I'm your person, that's totally fine for you, Michelle, I will gift anyone that's listening, um, a absolutely free consultation. I usually charge for them. Um, but in this case I will gift them because I give people a lot in that one hour. I don't just do a sales call. I actually really hear you really create a solid plan for you and let you step away with some workable advice and tools within that hour. So I will do that. Yeah. Look me up, reach out, find me. I'm easy to find. Love it. So if you can't find Leanne Francis Bates on YouTube or Google or otherwise, go to awarenessstrategies.com and we will have her posted all over the place there. And if you just type in intimacy, she'll probably be the first one that pops up. Uh, if that's easier to remember than Leanne. All good. Cool. So tell me this. At what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to know that you were going to be an entrepreneur? Oh, special kind of crazy enough to know I was an entrepreneur. <laughs> Uh, not that I'm biased at all, but I'm biased. Well, I think the first time, you know, it's so funny. 11 was such an interesting year for me. When I was 11, I wanted to be an entrepreneur, um, but my family squashed it out of me. That's not what you do. That's just not what you do. And I ended up finding I had sort of a bit of a, a lineage in my ancestry around uh, not wanting to be entrepreneurs. Um, so, you know, beware, <laughs> you know, sometimes we're here, we're here as the rebels to break those patterns. But the next inkling that I had was when I was in corporate. And um, at one point, one of the partners in the company said, we should make Leanne a partner and we should just have her thinking up new ways for us to do our business. And that should just be her whole job. And I really looked at myself differently in that moment. And it was like, I really am the oddball in this organization. Like I'm really the one that doesn't fit and not for a lack of trying to fit, you know? And I looked and I'm like, I've always been commission-based. I was always getting, like I was always, even though I was in corporate and employed, I was almost kind of semi-entrepreneurial at the same time, creating my own programs. You know, anything that I created, that's how I made my money. Like I really wasn't salary based. And um, it was like, you know what? I just really, that was the same year. It was like, I want my freedom. I want to do something that I really love and I want to do it full on. And I don't want to be told what to do. Nice. I and love that. Hard to go back. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Like, <laughs> really is. Even imagine now. <laughs> oh, I know, right? No matter how many times you go, oh God, I just want to quit. If this doesn't work, I'm done. I'm out of here. And that doesn't work. And you're like, well, fuck, what am I going to do? All this really I guess I'm going to do it. <laughs> my business. Like, I've done it. Like, I used to own wellness centers, built up my wellness centers. It was like my dream. And I built them up and it was like, wow, this is not my dream. This is not my dream at all. 
you know, I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to pivot then. I'm going to just do something, do this kind of different. And I just pivoted, you know? So it's like, I've never actually even thought about quitting. I'll just change my business. Like it's not even an option in my head. (laughs) So I'm just, I'm clearly totally crazy. I love that. So what did you think that you were going to do when you were 11? I got I was I was gonna so I was doing three things because apparently we <laughs> have all the time in the world. So I was gonna study um, people and I was gonna study their brains and I was gonna show that we are far more capable of doing things that um, then just far more capable of things than we could ever imagine and that we're far more interconnected than we realize. That was a. I was going to become a politician. And I was going to change our entire government structure because it was clearly run by, sorry folks, idiots. Um, I was like, these people need to take like business courses. Like they need to like, what is going on? Like <laughs> there's so many bad decisions being made. <laughs> so I was gonna run for politics <laughs> and change how Canada was structured. <laughs> and the third one was like, gonna be a writer. I wanted to be a writer. That is awesome. I think you just had an absolute incredible amount of foresight as an 11 year old that I'm thinking you may actually bring all of those to fruition at some point. (laughs) Well, you know, you never know. I went into the writing, um, you know, in terms of studying the brain a hypnotherapist, you know, um, you know, I do family constellation work. Like I have all these sorts of interesting tools um, to work with people to really make sure that they fast track into where they want to be with intimacy so they're not just sitting here like talking to me for the next like 30 years and like making little tiny steps like I like to get you from here to here like within like three months so you know I kind of do that already right god knows I'd vote for you (laughs) I mean I had a family member I will not say who it is it was deep in politics see see but I think things are changing and I think chaos precedes order it always does. You can't renovate your bedroom without throwing the mattress in the hallway. Like chaos precedes order. So we're going through some chaotic times. I think there's a little more chaotic to come. You never know. And somebody's got to put the pieces of Humpty Dumpty back together <laughs> at least. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm a huge advocate as it is. Like, you you know, I have a special needs daughter and uh, both her and I are autistic. And so I've done a ton of advocacy work around um, laws and things like this. Um, around neurodiversity and uh, so you you never do know it could be really interesting or I might just go live in the forest for the next few years while all of this craziness plays out in the world that'd be okay too you can come out and (laughs) walk down to parliament hill and (laughs) I'm here now (laughs) and then clients could just come you know have this beautiful forest retreat if they want to see me in person nice like that that is awesome Excellent. Uh, you have been amazing. Awesome. As always you are, and I'd love to continue talking to you again. Uh, but in the meanwhile, uh, peeps got to go to work and you know, all that kind of fun stuff. So any last parting words for peeps? Uh, you know, love, love and heart centeredness and compassion. I think right now, um, in our businesses, in our personal lives are so called for, there's so much polarization happening and so many different things and people coming at each other. I think right now, the more that we can get really centered in our hearts 
and have compassion for ourselves and others, the better all of us are going to get through this um, business-wise, personal-wise. Um, there's a real calling to move back into our hearts here so that um, we can create the kind of relationships in our homes and in our businesses that are really going to allow us all to thrive. And um, yeah, just super grateful for all of you out there, beautiful, amazing um, thought leaders that are already doing that. Nice. I love it. Thank you again for being here with us today. I appreciate it. This is Michelle Nedlick. Thank you for being here with us. If you know anyone who would make a great guest for the show or have any questions or topics that you'd like me to discuss, reach out to me at michelle at the little blue pill for business.com or connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the Little Blue Pill for Business podcast with your mistress in business, Michelle Nedelec. Why are you still here? Go to littlebluepillforbusiness.com and get your goodies. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to share it with somebody else that you know would enjoy getting it up in business after you subscribe to the podcast, of course, so you won't miss any future episodes. Now, check the notes for links. Oh, and only tell your wife if she's into this, you know, entrepreneurship. And I'll see you both on the other side.